0: Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is November. Oh, did I say November? <laughs> Sorry. October 3rd, 2019. It is indeed a very glorious day. Because finally, the patriots that have been patient are seeing that a lot has been going on behind the scenes. Finally, things are coming to the forefront. Rather than just talking about it in the shadows, it is now coming out into the mainstream. And it feels good, doesn't it? It feels good when the people that have been abusing and using our hard-earned money, using and abusing our decency and our innate goodness as human beings are now it looks like they're being held accountable. Today, I thought we should discuss things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. Things that make people uncomfortable because, you know, suddenly you have to have a tinfoil hat on. And I think it's uh, it's about time we kind of revisit things uh, we've been talking about for two years. And it all makes sense now. See, because... The reason sometimes people put out articles or talk about things before it's even relevant, kind of like Laura Loomer, is because it becomes relevant later. I'm not saying that she has a turban or a time machine like I do. Um, but good is always there, and we always find it in retrospect. Truth is always there, but we always see it in retrospect, right? Isn't that the case always? And that's because we are innately good. Evil can fester and exist freely because the biggest trick they have done, well, the devil has done, that evil has done is to convince you that they really don't exist. You know, it's funny how I see Adam Schiff tweeting, a man with so much egg on his face is still talking because they have no morals. They don't get embarrassed. They don't care. You are no one. You are nothing to them. There's a compilation that Dr. Jane um, just tweeted out, and I want to play it for you. It's pretty awesome. Take a listen. Oops, where'd it go? Gosh darn it, Twitter. There you go again doing that. Uh, she just tweeted out, and I'm going to retweet it. For those of you that are following me on Twitter, at Tori underscore says. If you don't have Twitter, you should. The president has been putting out some really good tweets lately. Uh, meme skills of the White House have risen exponentially. Take a listen to this. I have absolute certainty, because we're going to make sure it happens, that we will retain the majority in the House of Representatives.
1: What's more serious is that he can't win. That is very
2: serious.
3: I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected.
1: Speaker Pelosi gets it. She told Democrats they need to strike while the iron is hot.
4: The
0: president does
4: not have to commit a crime to be impeached.
1: Sort of the politics of it could
3: be in jeopardy. And we want to maintain a majority.
0: That was a video, actually, actually that um, Steve Scalise put together. And it's not about impeaching President Trump because you know, he did something wrong. They need to maintain control of the House, and they won't. Because, unfortunately, even the brainwashed Americans, the dildo waivers, the fruity teachers that believe that the Democrats support the unions, because, of course, they do. That's how they fund their campaigns, right, with their union money, um, can see this is manufactured. This is wrong. And for all those out there that still believe they're good people, even though they're liberals, at some point, the reality that they've created of unity and, oh, inclusion and diversity crumbles. And they realize it. They realize that these elections are not just going to show the world that President Trump won in 2016. But this is going to be a landslide. It is going to be, and I'm going to tell you now, a percentage that has never been seen before. It'll be something like close to 69, 70%. It'll be insane. And they know it. They are going to do everything in their power to at least maintain the house. I mean... Twitter's algorithm is even invading my feed uh, with Adam Schiff's begging of money to maintain. Maybe they can fix their elections in California. I mean, they were the first ones to say that they're not going to put the president on a ballot. And I wouldn't doubt it, right? But strike when the iron is hot. That's all they're going for right now. So before we get into some really fun tidbits, you know, um, I, and get into like some other history, some other stuff, you know, um, and show you how corruption loves geniuses, shows you how corruption takes genius and recreates it and weaponize that it weaponizes that genius, you know, kind of like how Thomas Edison made money off of inventions that Nikola Tesla did how jp morgan was his first investor <laughs> jp morgan right how it was all nikola tesla's idea guess what it wasn't his idea he was actually the first person invited in the meeting that that was held before the creation of the office of the strategic services that led to the creation of the cia they had picked his brain. They had utilized this man. And it's important we talk about this. It'll come at some point in, in the future, in retrospect. A lot of things make sense. So maybe this will make sense. Because the OSS didn't just occur. The OSS was for Good. It was created during World War II. It was created to counter the strategies implemented by our nation before we entered officially into World War II. I mean, there's always people with matches, right? So... It was supposed to be um, what uh, Tesla had referred to as a coordination point of information in the 30s. So um we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about crazy things that, uh, well, they're not crazy. They're reality. I mean, just as we speak about uh, Muhammad and Buddha and Jesus and... All other gods, why not talk about the most nefarious one that we've seen in actual emails? Emails between people that are in elected office. A statement that you can make that will ban you and fire you from your work. These are things we should be talking about because we're not worried about that, are we? It's not time to dilly-dally and play political correctness. It's always been said the only way to expel a demon is to call him by his name, right? <laughs> Hillary Clinton. <laughs> There's a demon right there. So, you know, I want us to think, uh, you know, before we start and, uh, just, I'm going to give you some news of what's going on and kind of a little bit more on this, uh, manufactured complaint. Um, I wanted to remind you of something. That I I have been speaking about since 2016, which is, you know, ask yourself honestly, why, and I've said this before, why would anyone like President Trump who has everything he wants, family, kids, grandkids, money, security, he has everything he wants Why would he give that all up? Would someone say it's done for narcissism? No. Why would he allow one of the largest targets on the planet to be placed on his back? Does he need money? No. Does he need to be popular? No, he already is. What does he make out of this? Tell me. Because everything that everyone applauded him for, not being a drunk, getting the diversity award, creating jobs, becoming rich, having a great family, expanding on business, being a kind man, you know, being a real man, you know, why would he do this? Why is this man risking everything he's created in his life? to save the world because he wants to make sure that it is a better place for his children. Maybe he can foresee that his grandchildren, those cute little babies will one day be in a Very horrible place. And maybe that horrible place because they're more privileged because they come from a family of wealthy persons, smart business people that he created because every parent dreams of creating a business that they can hand over to their children. That is every parent's dream from forever, ever, ever, uh, the farmer from, you know, 300 AD that had the farm and cultivated it and had the really nice house was hoping that in the future, his son or his daughters would then run it for him and even make it bigger. That is the dream of every parent. So he knows that he's set them up to have an advantage, even if the world is ugly, but in an ugly world, no matter how lovely you may be, it rubs off on you. It's like you sitting down with someone, you know, I'm a smoker, right? So if someone sits down with me outside to have coffee and I have a cigarette, they're not a smoker, but they'll still maybe smell like smoke because they were around me. You see what I'm saying? So evil is like, you know, sitting by a smoker. You're still going to have that hint of smoke over you. Make sense? Uh, so what is he? What, what was the point of making the world a better place? Maybe because he didn't want his grandchildren to have that smoke on them, and then his great-grandkids to be even smokier until they're finally smoke. Or maybe he couldn't fathom the fact that so many murders were happening, mass murders were happening in the name of, uh, you know, demon god, Malak. Or maybe he couldn't bear to see all these children going missing. Tortured, used, drugged, raped by the actual leaders that are being elected by law enforcement, and then those that were actually not participating looking the other way. Maybe seeing people around the world suffering. Like in India where you see parents deform their children at birth so they have some physical defect that you can easily see like bent out femurs. They do that, I kid you not. So that they can send them off to beg for money as a job, as children. Different races abused. Babies being removed from the womb before they even have the chance to breathe certain groups of people constantly abused and used again and again and again for very specific purposes, certain bloodlines being used to make babies for very specific purposes. Maybe he couldn't just sit by and know that this planet would torch itself at some point, right? It'd just go tits up. Remember right after the election, remember right after the election, how, Hillary didn't even come out to give her speech. Think about it. When was the last time you saw that? Remember when she was on stage that day, how she wore that purple. Remember, remember these things. Remember that when you see the president talking. Remember that he had everything to lose as a person and even jeopardize his family and his grandkids going forward for every man, woman, and child, not just Americans, even though it's America first in order to convince all the other leaders that are not actively partaking in these things, that there is hope. Think about it what happens now? Now that we have a border that is over packed, what happens now? We have a mainstream media that is literally knowingly and intentionally perpetuating false narratives, or I would say highly selected narratives to the people. At what point do we, let's pretend that the borders were open, right? You and I work, we pay taxes, we try to make ends meet, but we're invaded by people that can't work, won't work, and don't want to work because they're illegal and they just get checks. At what point of us being whipped down and being raped of our hard-earned money would we speak? Would it be when we're the 1% of the nation? Like when? Think. Remember when we had the, the elections? That, that, Was a rigged election. It was supposed to be rigged, you guys. It was supposed to be rigged. But the good guys didn't let him rig it. Our president has tried to expose the fraudulent activities of the elections. Not just 2016, we're talking all the time. That is an issue. You know, uh, some person and I had a conversation early, early this morning, like crack of dawn, I can't see this morning. And I was asked, well, Tori, what agency do you think is not corrupt? Like out of all of them, I would have to answer that the Department of Defense and I say this with a grain of salt because we know that there are a lot of pedophiles within the Pentagon. There's a whole list of 5,000 of them. And they were actually stymied to be investigated and removed by Barack Hussein Obama. But we're doing it. We picked up where, where they left off. It's not hard to find them. And the fact that they felt comfortable that they were off the hook, they continued. So you have to think to yourself, look at all this. I tell you, at this point, 2019... Three years to the day that almost to the day that we elected him, our president knows where all the bodies are buried. The question is whose bodies? What is it? That's something that the people should have to take a look at. Another thing that I want you to think about is, you know, we're all screaming, including me. You know, that we need to designate Antifa is a terrorist organization. You have to think to yourself, why would President Trump allow Antifa to exist? To have their groups, to organize, to tweet, to Facebook, because they make the Democrats look really bad. So this is why you're going to let them remember. Putting corrupt people in certain positions is important. You have to think about it. Like when I was looking at the Flynn case, and I talked about this last year, so I'm not even going to touch it this year. I already told you what's going to happen. Uh, He appointed Lou, who was part of his transition team, to be the prosecutor as the U.S. attorney in that division. Lou, out of all people, her, you know, who supposedly floated under the radar. She's the one prosecuting General Flynn. The same woman that was in the Trump administration transition team. She was the one prosecuting him. But before that, she was deputy general counsel of here. She was part of the national security division. She was part of, you know, uh, the treasury overseeing, guess what? The money exchange for uranium one, you know, she's corrupt as they come and flew under the radar and was even part of the transition team. Why? Because you can't find the lair without the worker ants. You know, when you want to find, you know, where the ants have their queen, what do you do? You follow them, right? You follow the trail of ants taking the food or the crumbs or the water back, right? That's what you do. And this is exactly what he's done. But again, this is a person who gave up everything he's worked for, The fame that he created, the money he created, the lovely retirement he created, not just for you and I, but for every man, woman, and child on this planet. And those that are here and those that are to come and those that are still unborn, you have to think of yourself, you know, what is the most important thing our president can do? You know, people can say, "Well, he can write executive orders." You can't fix stuff with an executive order that easy. So you can write an executive order and fix something instantly, but as instantly as you write it, it can be unwritten by the next person. This is why you create case law. This is why you take it to the courts. This is why you let let it drag out. This is why you pass legislation. That is how you fix it. A temporary fix is via executive order. If you want actual change, it needs Needs to be embedded now, think about this way we know George Soros funds a lot of things. I'm going to tell you something right now and we'll talk about it after the break. But on October 19th, we're going to see another Soros mobilization. If Soros, this time, and I'm just saying Soros, there's tons of them. Remember, Soros's organization in the Ukraine, the Pagias, is funded by the Kingdom of the Netherlands. So let's just get over the fact that that we think that Soros is independent and influencing these people, he's like the Jeffrey Epstein of coups, okay? Jeffrey Epstein of babies and children and child and sex trafficking, Soros is the Epstein of coups, okay? works with all governments except for the Trump administration, right? So think about it. If Antifa or this group on October 19th, They're going to start. I'm telling you the date. I am telling you the date he's dropped serious coin. If the operation gets violent, which I expect it to be in New York and LA, and we are on alert and engages in what we will identify as domestic terrorism. What do we do? Martial law. And when we have martial law, we'll round up every shift, every Pelosi under that. Hey, George, if you're listening, make my day, make that move. You've already planned it. You've already paid for it. So New York and LA are going to be initiated on October 19th. They get violent. We get martial law. That's how it works. They all walked right into it. You want to play, that's fine. And of course you're going to do it on October 19th. Because the following Monday, FISA IG is dropping. And the week after that, Brexit is happening. Their world, their network is corrupt. It's it's crumbling. Their corruption is crumbling. And then you're going to sit there and say, well, hold on a second. How do you know this? I don't know. How does the president know this? How do other people know this? Maybe it's a turban. Maybe it's a TARDIS type traveling Tory. The bottom line is it's very, very easy. Mm, I, that sounds very, no. See, I had someone say, what kind of privilege do you come from sometimes? Uh, You know, because I, I say things sometimes and it's wrong. Um because I'm not used to speaking with people. I'm just saying, okay, as someone that would question people and uh, Jedi, right? Um, I was never a very social person. And this is why I have that concern that when I'm on camera, I seem to exaggerate my facial expressions. And that's probably because it's I do radio. But it's also because I don't know how to interact with people. Wow, I'm making myself sound really, really... <laughs> I think I'm funny. Okay. Totally approachable. Totally, you know, but what I meant by easy. Okay. Not to sound like, oh yeah, it's totally easy for me. It's something that math can prove. Uh, That doesn't sound right either. Let's just say predicting such events is very easy. Now, how I know the exact date is because you follow the money. I mean, I just said, you know, we know the bank. Like, where is it going? I'm sending Kevin Kramer, who's on the banking committee after the show, a fax to his office asking him to investigate Amalgamated Bank. Because $10 million that the DNC was appropriated, uh, you know, given a loan of, <laughs> has just been appropriated October 19th. Huh. So after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. We're going to see how they just fell into the trap. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So before the break, I told you that on October 19th, New York and L.A., will be bombarded with insane people that are flying around things like make America Mexico again and impeach Trump. Resist. Resist fascism. And, you know, like I said, everyone's like, why is Antifa still around? Like, why is this being allowed? Like, how is this even possible? And, you know, why is this being allowed? And like I've said before, all you need to think about is it makes the Democrats look horrific. And that's what happens. That's what happens. That's all you have to worry about. Now, for those of you in New York and L.A., it's it's going to be a problem. But, you you know... Before we just kind of run into like the news, um, I want you guys to think about this. Who would possibly have all information possible? Like think about it. Who has all of the information? Like the real information, not the fake news, because we already know the people that have all the information and disseminate it is the mainstream media who controls the mainstream media. And why are we told that there are only specific outlets that are credible? I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to toot my horn, right? But how many times have I knocked out Jake Tapper with, uh, you know, what I have to say or Fredo or even Hannity for that fact? Who tells you that they are the credible source and not anybody else? Is it the Daily Beast? Is it your mom? Like, who is it? Think about it. Why are we, why are we being told that the fake news are true? Like, who controls this? This is very important for you to remember this. Who told you that CNN is credible? Who told you that Fox is credible? Who told you that Rush is credible? Who told you that Mark is credible? Who told you that I'm credible? I don't I don't think, you know, I can fall into their categories, but I'm just saying, who told you? Who are the ones that are telling truth that are not mainstream media? Are they the ones that people say are non-credible, right? Or bloggers or far right wingers, right? Why are non-mainstream media platforms immediately put out as far right or conspiracies? Think about it. How does this happen? Why is that happening? Why are non-mainstream media platforms coined as non-credible? Why is it that even people that follow me will be more inclined to share an article that I wrote, uh, you know, 10 days ago, not for me, but from Fox instead. Why do they feel that that is more credible? Who told you that? Influencing from those who are in control, from those who have the power, because to have power, you must have wealth. To have power, you have the power to what? influence. And then with influence, you do what you control. And that's how it happens. I mean, if I was mega rich, there'd be a Tory says channel Tory says, you know, well, there is a web page. So. <laughs> Tory says, there is a Tory says radio too. I'm just saying it would be everywhere. I'd have banners. I've had, I'd have everything because I want you to hear what I have to say per se. Okay. Not really. That's Why you think everybody else is more credible because they tell you to and like good little people we obey and right now the Democrats are not happy because we're not obeying they. Who is they from that article? Who is they? They who tell us what mainstream media and what reporters are credible. They who will destroy the life of anyone that calls them like it is. Shills, fake propaganda. Think of how much power and influence social media has on people. See, I lost my personal account that had a considerable following. I lost it. It was banned. So I'm a nobody with 4,000 followers right now. I'm a nobody. Like, who are you with your poxy followers? You don't have like 250,000 like I do. And it's like, it doesn't matter. I didn't buy them. And, you know, I just say things to say things. I don't care if somebody doesn't follow me because the fact that they're not following me isn't going to stop me from talking. I could sit on a soapbox on the corner. I I wouldn't, though. I'm just saying because I don't do people like, you know, like I'm not socially. I I say it. I'm a little bit socially retarded. There we go. I'm just going to be straight honest with that one. Um, Don't know when to shut up. And um, I don't know if I see you, I read you and I can't help it. And if I read your face and it's not something that I'd like to accommodate, you know, because everybody has their shortcomings. So when I meet people, I can read them like you know, what they do, how they are, little things, the way you tie your shoes, everything. I was trained very well. If I don't want to tolerate your existence, you'll know. So like I said, socially hindered. So think about this. The mainstream media tells you they're credible. You Give them that credibility. It's up to you to share articles from people that nobody knows. Some blogger out in Iowa, you know, some blogger out in, I don't know, you know, Ecuador talking about things. The more you share, because we decide what's credible, we decide what's important to us. We should not allow them to tell us what is the truth and what is important because the power of influence is what is at stake here they lost that battle they thought they had it in 2016 they thought they could rig the election boxes they couldn't the good guy said nope not happening They thought that they can bombard us with fake polls, with telling us what's credible, calling outlets like big league politics or, you know, um, gateway pundit is right wing crazy people. Uh, you know, Matt couch discrediting him. Anyone that was reporting anything was discredited by them. Has this not become obvious? I mean, I don't even know why I have to restate it because I have a lot of, I have friends that are in the press that are more willing to share somebody else's work rather than mine, where mine, they know, is 100% bona fide because they actually know me. But they won't do it because the world still gives credibility and merit to the New York Times, the failing New York Times. It's blatant. It's apparent. Can we see this? Can we see this two years after I got on my soapbox and? wrote about this, can we, it's, it's almost been two years, has it that long since I've gotten on that soapbox? And you know, you have to think they miscalculated. What did they miscalculate? The fact that no matter how much they fill our brain with junk and garbage and lies and controlled censorship, we still have the innate ability for objectivity, when we see something that just smells a little bit. See, you can't fool the soul. See, you can be blinded for a bit, but then you're going to be like, well, wait a minute, that hair is out of place. Uh, let me follow that hair. You know how we say it, go down the rabbit hole? And this is how it is. I mean, if you were to define what censorship is or what corruption is, you would, in essence, put it in one word and say controlled censorship is how corruption festers. This is why Twitter has been taking charge. This is why Facebook has been taking charge. This is why they remove Laura Loomer because they knew that in the future she was going to destroy them. And I tell you this not because she's my friend. But she's going to make the law. I have people many times tell me, well, he could just make an executive order. No, no, because it's going to come down to it where Twitter and Facebook are going to have to decide if they decide that they're a free and open platform, they got to put everyone right back in there, right back on their platforms with no choice and pay Laura Loomer her $3 billion if they don't. Then they have to start charging every single one of you a fee to use their platform. So they have to think, do we keep it free and open and get free access to voluntarily, uh, to voluntary provided private information that we can sell and resell and use for our advertisers? Cause this is how they're making money off of us, right? And lose all that income and data. Or do we charge them and risk the fact that everyone goes to gab and parlay and we're done? So this is the decision that Laura Loomer put on their table. You either let everybody and their mother back on. And you pay me because you called me a dangerous individual, by the way. And pay me because you banned me. And all those people that are my friends that are part of this lawsuit that were hurt by you. Or... You can start making customers because the only time that you're allowed to discern under your eyes are who's they, right? They say it's hateful. They say it's harmful. They say, who is they? Is it Zuck? You know, that clown? Is it Jack Dorsey? Like, who's they? They, 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 they. They. (laughs) See? When you get too much power, have you seen that movie before where that wizard wants to get all that power and he's standing up and he's holding this gl- glowing ball in his hand and it consumes them? This is exactly where it is. And the only reason they're being consumed by the immense amount of power that these corrupt idiots have is because they are angry, angry that us pond scum, us peasants had the audacity to fight back, to come back at it and say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't agree with this. That is what happened. That is what is happening. So remember when it comes down to it, you have to think who controls the information, who control the narrative, who guards the narrative. So think about it, right? And why does the mainstream media feel like they're the PR people for every single clown? Every single clown, they're like, you know, (laughs) the queen's guard. (laughs) It's really incredible. For now, we only see a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see a face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Corinthians corinthians that's where i'm from by the way corinth greece what my my lineage does my lineage comes from corinth greece and like i've told you guys many 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 times before um i my family line is very deeply embedded into the um greek orthodox eastern orthodox uh, historical christian whatever you want to call it um uh, okay you want to say community i mean I have uncles that are metropolitans, one that was a patriarch, had nuns in my family. Um, like I said, I'm very religious. I know when every leader on this planet, that includes Putin and many more, go to the holiest of places of Mount Athos in Greece. Um, I've actually been there, but not on the mountain because women aren't allowed, and that's okay with me. I'm cool with that. Um and i've said this many times and you know i thought it would be important for people to understand um to, to learn something fun i and i don't think i've ever said this so we all know i love math i love science i i'm Totally into physics. Actually, I TA'd in physics um, for like physics, university physics. And I did the mechanics and electronics unit and the um, um, electromagnetism unit. Well, I actually did the electromagnetism uh, unit uh, one semester. I taught it for a guy in exchange that he would teach me um, uh, some things that I needed for biophysics. So it was kind of an exchange. Dude, I'll teach this class for you and do the lab and not tell, and you get paid if you help me with this kind of thing. (laughs) And so actually I did the whole lab with the students, um, that were like, you know, in undergrad anyway. So what I wanted to say is, so I'm pretty, you know, intrigued by it. And I know, um, you know, physicists out there hate this. And I say it all the time. A physicist is nothing but a, a glorified mathematician. physics is math. It's just, instead of, you know, working just with numbers, we work with physical variables, right? When we talk physics. So it is math. Um, and it's really sexy. I love it. Um, I enjoy it. And I also know that it's kind of the same way the same way we are told that cnn is credible they tell us that the gravity of the earth is 9.8 meters per second squared okay i'm just gonna say that um and leave that there but regardless anyway where am i going with this so in my family you know uh like i said we're all about the church and um we have relatives that are priests everywhere. And, you know, I'm Greek, we have a big family. And our extended family, right, um, you know, they're all over the world. Uh, I have an uncle who's in uh, Jerusalem right now um, with uh, the church there and, um, you know, uh, very extended. One thing people don't know is that um a great physicist— Called Nikola Tesla was actually Greek. Did you know that? Well, his father was um, was Greek. Uh, he trained in the Greek Church. His father was actually a Greek Orthodox priest, and they moved um, to um, Serbia, you know, just up north, uh, as part of the mission. So it was like part of the mission to like spread the word of God. <clears throat> and build churches. And so this is why we have Eastern Orthodox because it was the Eastern Bloc that took it, right? And so Nikola Tesla is actually Greek, just so you guys know. Uh, when you go into the Greek Orthodox Church or whatever Orthodox you want to call it, Russian, uh, Bulgarian, Serbian, Croatian, whatever you want to call it, Croatian Orthodox, whatever, regardless, in that religion you take on when you put on the cloak a new name. Like my aunt, she's like the head of this big monastery. Um, and her name was changed because when you put the cloak on, you take the, um, the embodiment of the saint that you will be serving as, or the, I mean, that's how it goes. Okay. So, (laughs) um, so his, um, dad was actually, um, a priest, a Greek Orthodox priest. And so, um, one thing that I tell a lot of people is, you know, uh, from, and a lot of people ask me being religious or understanding religion, how do you like science? I mean, scientists are usually atheists and I'm like, well, then they're not really scientists because there is so much that cannot be determined by science. It's through science that you embrace religion and uh, you know in you know the way i was raised i guess um i was taught that um physics is you know just i was encouraged to focus anyway so i thought that that's pretty interesting because again we've been told a different story of who this man is and i thought maybe we could talk about this story so You know, and it's interesting because we get to the CIA and that's where Nikola Tesla comes up. This guy who viewed the world, and I want to say, because I want to believe that, right? (laughs) Because it would be totally cool to be like, yeah, I'm totally like Tesla, which I'm totally not. Um, (laughs) I'm totally not. But he viewed the world as something godly. He believed in the divine. Uh, he believed that all information, and I say this all the time, we already know everything. It's just a matter of tapping into it. And I have the same attitude. I don't know if it's, it was fostered to me, you know, through my beliefs or the way I was raised. Because guys, I was raised in New York City, right? But I was one of those kids, I kid you not, uh, that after school, I would be in the Greek church and I would get a spanking with a ruler from a nun or a priest because I couldn't recite my verses correctly. I, I kid you not. The, the church that I was raised in was St. Markella. It's in Astoria, New York. It's an old calendar church the priest that used to smack my hand with a ruler cause I was being naughty. Uh, cause you know, I found, you know, not only did they teach us like religion and to write in, you know, that form of Greek, but you know, they were also teaching us things and I found it boring cause you know, I'm, I'm not to say, you know, Oh yeah, I was just really good at math at young at a young age. So I found it really boring and I was naughty and he would saying me with a ruler on my hand. Um, because back then it wasn't like child abuse and, um you know now he's the the bishop um his name was father paul now he's bishop um uh, um bishop paul he's awesome so that's where i was raised just so people know even though i'm totally outgoing i'm the biggest sinner there is um this is how i was raised and i saw the same thing that it was divinity in the numbers, divinity in science that, that that proves God. And that is how Tesla was. And he believed that evil should also be um, coordinated correctly, that there should be a point of congregation where information is um, aggregated, computed, and then disseminated in order to annihilate it. That was the idea. And this I found from records. Uh, from the 30s, um, and late 20s actually, uh, and th- early 30s, where, um, Tesla, uh, spoke about, uh, Social Security and the co- the, the problems that that has, including the depression that happened in the start mark, stock market crash and how the fiat currency would destroy it. And he was actually part, as an external person outside of the government, part of the Office of Strategic Services creation. before before it was in, created, because it was created in 1942. Because when people say, oh, the CIA was created in 1947, it actually was 1942, they just changed the name uh, because they took it to another level. See, OSS was supposed to be... The people that spearhead, and this is why it had the the, the shape of a spear, uh, information wars. They would attack information wars. They would collect the intelligence of information and counterattack information wars. Because what his point was in the late 20s and 30s was he didn't realize that he was dancing with the devil every day. From Edison to J.P. Morgan to politicians. He had no idea... The only reason they stood by him was because he was that good and that smart and that naive. But the thing is, we always see this story in retrospect, uh, in movies where you're thinking, why did Jesus just sit there? He knew the guy didn't like, he knew that Judas was going to kiss him and he was going to die. Why did he just sit there? Because sometimes it's just part of the plan. Sometimes you play your part and you let things happen because they have to happen that way. Sometimes you have to drop the battle so that evil thinks they're winning because it's all about the war. Because in retrospect, I'm thinking everything he's saying, he's saying to all these clowns, didn't he know better? I mean, he was such a genius. He invented all these things. Why would he just sit there? Why didn't he say, hey, you guys, you shouldn't be doing this. Hey, you guys, I don't think, um, you know... Um, threatening Hungary that we're not going to give them any money if they don't fall to Hitler is a problem. I, I think it's a problem. I don't think we should be involved with their discussions. You know, he would say things like that because the U.S., unbeknownst to many of us, prior to our official entry to World War II, we meddled with that stuff. Remember, we just got out of a depression. We needed some money. We needed war. And he was there and he made these statements. And you know what's funny? Why have those not, like the majority of them, not been unsealed? Because the majority of the stuff that I found... Was from writings and I really don't even know how I hadn't come across them before that were sent to family members. Remember, he had siblings and he would write about his day. He kept like a diary and he would write about his day. And what's really odd is that, you know, he had sisters and, and, you know, and family. Remember, big family. I think he had like four siblings and one of them died. So um, the male died. But he had female siblings um, and this information is there that the, the discussion and the theory was all mathematical that if they calculated it this way, that if the government was to go in this direction, that this would come to fruition. He said that. He said that when they created Social Security, again, out of all people, Tesla and and he was surrounded by hawks, right? He was funded by J.P. Morgan, Thomas Edison stole his thunder, and all he had was this little dingy apartment in New York and everyone at his beck and call, but had absolutely zero to show for. And not only that, when he passed away, they confiscated everything he created, you know. And then other people got to take a look at it, but that's another story, Right since we're out of time, we're going to leave that story and table it for another time. Uh, on that note, when we get back, we're going to talk more about this, uh, complaint and understanding of controlled narratives and skewing history and actual vital components of creating history. Uh, That all ties into this complaint. See you all just after this break. Real News. Welcome everyone to this Tori Sess show. I'm your host, Tori. So I took you a bit of on a ride, understanding some great minds that have gone and come and are still around, uh, in certain skiffs and certain areas. And that is because, um, that should be coming, um, up after 2020 actually, And it's 2019, so why not drop it early? So on the note of how the OSS was created, uh, which was, you know, strategic coordination of information, and it was all about intercepting intelligence and understanding the information wars, because the person that created information wars was Hitler himself. And it was supposed to be a benign group of people, which it was in the 30s. And suddenly in 1942, it was established and kind of weaponized and then crushed and then rebooted by Truman as the CIA. Now, today, as we know, Kurt Volker, which I told you was in Munich in 2019, and you know what's really funny? You have to think of these three things together. Berlin Airport... John Owen Brennan and the Department of State. Those three things together will tell you a lot because in Berlin, that is where a passport went through before it went to the Ukraine. So think State Department, the Department of State is the one that issues passports, right? And you know how everyone said, oh, it was a nothing burger when he went to, you know, when the idea of the State Department went down. Nothing burger. That's why nobody reported on it. Is it though? Is it though? (laughs) Because now we have Ocher in a skiff. So he's in a skiff testifying. In a skiff testifying. And, you know, that's how huge that is. And he resigned. He was resigned. And not necessarily because he didn't say anything, because the question that I posed over a week ago uh, on the day in the morning before he resigned, it was, did he tell anyone about that meeting? You know, that meeting with Biden and Yovanovitch and um, the Ukrainians? Like, did he tell anyone? You got to think about that. Did he tell anyone? Because what people seem to forget is some supersonic guy who he actually sees as a mentor. His name is Robert. Robert Stork. So it's a really big deal. He used to be the IG of the Department of Justice at some point, right? He was, uh, say it again, a whistleblower obdensman person. That's a name you don't hear about, right? Like, what? Why haven't we heard about that? He was the Inspector General on Integrity and Efficiency Whistleblower Obnisman Working Group. He was actually nominated by President Barack Hussein Obama in November 2016, and in January 2017 became the inspector general of the national security agency and re nominated for that position by president Trump in June of 2017. And his confirmation was done on December 21st, 2017. Why is this important? It is important because it all boils down to the man with no lips. We've never had an IG of the National Security Agency ever, ever paying attention. And so after Hillary Clinton loses, he created a new position, the inspector general of the NSA. Did you know that? I don't think a lot of people know that. We didn't have an IG of the NSA before. You know, the NSA IG would oversee the violations of Section 702s. Thank you for your service, Admiral Rogers. Without the NSA, we wouldn't have the 72-hour hold. We wouldn't have a FISA court, right? Well, that was all established thanks to 2001, right? 9-11, right? So now, on the heels of an election, th- loss, where they're hurt, where they're crying, where they're shocked, how dare these mere mortals defy and not obey. We will show you. So, huh, I'm doing a piece on this, Inspector General, who is one of the most arcane Peeps, confirmed by the Senate in 2017, he's been to Harvard, he's been to Columbia, and he clerked for William Duffy Keller in California. He was, are you listening to me? You have to be very, very attentive He was the Department of Justice resident legal advisor in the Ukraine from 2007 to 2009. What? Why is nobody talking about this no-lip guy? Why is nobody talking about this guy? Think about it. Why is nobody talking about this guy? So while you think about that, Let's take a listen to what Giuliani claims, where he has Ukrainian documents showing collusion with the top Democrats. Think about that for a second.
5: Monologue. We obtained new Ukrainian documents from Rudy Giuliani. Now, the Democrats earlier today, they actually went into a briefing room. They thought they were going to get impeachable evidence on the president. What they got was information that hurt their cause and showed about oh, the Democrats and, yeah, the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign, yeah, they were colluding with Ukraine in 2016, and, yeah, they're admitting they tried to help Hillary Clinton, and they're also admitting the information they provided, well, had an impact in the race because they took down Paul Manafort with that information. Now we also have Rudy Giuliani is threatening to sue, along with the president, and the president, we now learn that former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani interviewed, the fired prosecutor by Biden, and that would be the prosecutor Shokin. He's here to explain all of it. Mr. Mayor, well, Democrats had a had a bad dream today because they thought that it was all going to come to fruition tonight. It did not. You interviewed Shokin, and you may sue. That's a lot to digest.
1: Well, I mean, what, what happened today is the, uh, the big announcement yesterday was the IG of the State Department was going to go over and give all these secret documents to... Um, to the committee and the committee I guess uh, they were sitting there figuring out how they could do impeachment based on nothing and what they got shoved down their throats is a complete total absolutely terrific prosecutorial outline of why Joe Biden is so guilty it's a joke for me even have to describe it to you Uh, what I did first of all it demonstrates that I I, I prosecuted well maybe a Freudian slip I investigated all of this starting in November of 2018, and I finished it by March 28, 2019. Now, why is that significant? That's significant because all of this was done while the Mueller investigation was still pending, while I was seeking in the best tradition of being a lawyer, a defense lawyer, to vindicate my client. This is information that was given to me. I didn't go looking for Joe Biden. The Ukrainians brought me substantial evidence of Ukrainian collusion with Hillary Clinton, the DNC, George Soros, George Soros' company. They put it in my lap. They came and gave me uh, testimony. I wrote it out. I had a uh, a professional investigator make FBI 302s of it. Eventually, it was uh, uh, John, uh, John Solomon, who should get a Pulitzer Prize, by the way, Uh, put them all on tape so it's all memorialized on videotapes so this is solid as it can get and I interviewed them in one case I interviewed Lutsenko so badly he thought he was being cross-examined I don't I I don't accept the I didn't do what this phony uh, whistleblower did Uh, this phony whistleblower is giving hearsay evidence he says I'm not a direct witness okay useless pal you're not a direct witness goodbye I have what's called an affidavit here This is not what the whistleblower did. This is under oath. It's signed under penalties of perjury by Victor Shokin.
0: Victor Shokin. And yes, it is. And he was testifying in a court, in a very serious court in Austria. Oh, wait. Wasn't, uh, I just wanted to just say, so coincidental, right? Gosh darn it. You know, that um, Nikola Tesla was living under the Austrian Empire. I just thought I'd mention that because there's some really interesting cases coming out of Austria.
1: Logan has told me he's more than willing to come to America and testify before Congress and point the finger at Joe Biden and his son and basically support what the president said today. They're corrupt as sin. This is so obvious. Uh, it's, a, it's like your, the nose on your face, Sean. They, uh, the, the Ukrainian oligarch Zolchevsky didn't pay millions for Hunter Biden's non-existent skill. He paid millions to buy the vice president's office. And it was a good deal for zloshevsky for He got Hunter Biden off the hook. He got Soros' company out of jeopardy. And he got to come back to the Ukraine and keep his $5 billion just for merely giving up maybe $100 million. He is actually going around Ukraine saying it was well worth it to spend the money uh, to do it. If anybody would care to investigate, they could find everything I just said, except the FBI didn't investigate for a year and a half. The Justice Department didn't investigate a year and a half. My witnesses were afraid to go to the FBI and the Justice Department, which actually, to me, was like living in, a, in, in an alternate universe. Because, I, you know, I prosecuted people far more dangerous and far more difficult to catch than these idiots. And I did it with, the F, be with a the great time. FBI. Couldn't have done it without the FBI. And I'm so uh, disappointed at how Comey has corrupted the FBI.
0: Actually, Giuliani's right. These people are idiots. I mean, come on. Let's be honest. They're telling us who, who's credible, who's giving you the news. I, I even heard uh, Ingram say it, and I was so upset. Yeah, well, John Solomon said it. So who says I, I, I love John Solomon? Don't get me wrong. But it's comments like that that reinforce who's credible and who's not. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be, uh, what is it, nonpartisan-ish and be open to things. He's right. The FBI, Comey, corrupted. He didn't corrupt it. It was already corrupt. It's just that the things that Giuliani wanted to do at that time, they were okay with doing for us at the time. Okay? That's basically it. That is all people need to, uh, know. That is all people need to know. So, I want you guys to think the name that I said, Robert Strzok. First time he, a presidential appointment of an IG for the NSA, and it was done under Barack Hussein Obama right after Hillary lost the elections. He was a federal prosecutor in the Northern District of New York very important. Um, he was the chairman um, of the Council of the Inspector Generals on Integrity and Efficiency, super duper important. And before joining the NSA, he was in various positions in the OIG of the DOJ. He was senior counsel to the IG and the acting deputy IG of the DOJ um, prior to his 2015 Deputy IG appointment. So he served as chairman on, uh, you know, whistleblower working groups. Um, do you remember, I'm just going to like connect the dots for us here for a second, because this show is really important. You've probably never even heard of this clown. And the thing is, I talked about this clown a while back. Uh, it was about, um, I would say I'm 10 days late to my anniversary. <laughs> this idiot, okay, he worked as a federal prosecutor in the Northern District of New York. And then he was part of this whistleblower thing. During the time, as we all now know, that the CIA... And this Flynn even uh, made mention of this, our great general, a long time ago, um, eh, they would monitor the whistleblowers. Remember how they said people couldn't whistleblow because they knew that they were going to be whistleblowed because the CIA was spying on everybody. So then they didn't feel comfortable about whistleblowing. That was all done where Robert Strzok was. Uh, just a stork. And he says, Strzok. Wow, stork, 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 just, yeah. So, um, this no-lipped guy, and, you know, he totally looks like the character that a casting director would place for the... Um, the mastermind Oz guy, but not the guy himself. He's like the, the fixer guy. Have you ever seen those movies where even like on stranger things uh, that, you know, I don't know if you guys are watching that it's based on the supposed conspiracy theory of, um, the Montauk project. Anyway, um, the guy who was like leading these questions and whatnot had this certain look. That's exactly how he looks. Any movie you've seen where there's um, weird stuff going on, like, gifted children or, um, um crazy science exp- experiments or, um, time travel experiments and stuff like that. There's this one specific guy, you know, the guy that has the bald head, the glasses and the no lips that's all calm and collected. And he's like the leader of fixing everything. You know, that guy, that's how he looks. So think <laughs> he was also, <laughs> The DOJ person, legal advisor in the Ukraine. Hey, Newland, what's up? So I'm just saying, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, we need to um, kind of take a look at. Uh, the Council of the Inspectors General on Integrity and Efficiency, right? You have to know that that was established in 1978 under a very specific law, and they're presidentially appointed positions, and the Senate has to confirm them, okay? So how would this benefit possible investigations across intra-agencies? So think Huber, Horowitz, Stork, Connection, U.S. Attorneys, DOJ and FBI IGs. Talking about intelligence stuff or information that they must switch between themselves. I have to tell you guys, the NSA has been going on the forefront. Think about it. The experts. Because the NSA has been pushing for stuff. The experts. Remember back in, uh, when Sessions was, um, RAG? And Sleepy Sessions, supposedly, would, you know, has to do something. He has to appoint a special counsel, a second special counsel. He has to do this because, uh, you know, corrupt swamp, blah, blah, blah. That he has to do all this stuff. He must. Right? Remember? Remember how Sessions had to do that? Because unlike the Clinton email case that was never really a case it was a cover-up right um, if a second counsel was placed by sleepy sessions that it would be conducted a lot more honestly right remember when they were pushing that because Mueller was supposed to be really really honest right but Huber himself didn't directly interview any witnesses. Do you, do you remember that? Do you? So Huber being appointed by Sessions was not something organic. You know what I'm saying? Because something must be happening in the background if that didn't happen, right? If they're following the regular protocol, right? Sessions and Huber, I'm just saying. So Huber, in order to have the in order for him to have the ability to prosecute and to have a grand jury outside of Washington, D.C. so nobody would know where it's happening, who began the investigation already, right? Who had the IGs, uh, you know, the IG, the, he was the IG, the legal jurisdiction, uh, and not a special counsel. You know, it would have been done differently is what I'm trying to say. So, What we need to remember is, is that, you know, even our president was calling him sleepy sessions because it wasn't working for us because nothing was really being done. Right. That's what they told us, sleepy sessions. But in the meantime, while supposedly Jeff sessions was sleeping while he was sleeping and being told what to do, we got all these clowns in the FBI getting fired and removed. Isn't the Department of Justice in charge of the FBI? So if they're getting fired, who has to sign off on it? It would have been Sleepy Sessions, right? That's what you have to remember. See, they only, this information war where they tell you, listen to us, we know best, even Fox. They really don't understand how to parse the information or they're not doing it on purpose kind of like the way Sessions wasn't doing things on purpose. You know, that is how it goes. If if indeed there was nothing being done under Sleepy Sessions, then we wouldn't have had all these CEOs resigning, all of these congresspersons and senators that supposedly were Republicans, not running again. How you doing, Paul Ryan? How does that feel? And it was under Sleepy Sessions that Matt Whitaker had appointed Durham because we follow the rules and we keep it open. So before President Trump, think about it. Before President Trump, did Ryan say he wanted to resign? Wasn't he super happy being in charge? Mm Mm-hmm. So think while you think nothing is being done we have to remember all the indictments we have to remember that there are some things that are happening that you just can't see it's like um that mo- oh gosh i forget that movie where it was like it was showing people uh, maybe some of you have seen it but i watched some weird stuff with subtitles too so um it was a movie where it showed like a family this is what i remember from it uh, you know, it's just the memorable things, right? It was a movie where it showed a family in their front yard. The wife was filing her nails on a lawn chair. The kids, the two little girls were probably twins playing with dolls, and the dad was playing catch while other kids were riding their bikes in the street. And the ice cream truck was coming by, and the police sirens were wailing in the distance um, in an impoverished neighborhood. And then it zoomed out, and it showed War above the clouds above the clouds that were shielding the people from seeing one of the most bloody wars. And it was being held between humans and aliens What were just saying, and I remember seeing that scene. I was like, wow, imagine how much stuff is going on that we don't know because we're just paying attention to what's under the clouds and not what's on top of them where we can't see. So, When we think back now in retrospect, think. It was under sessions that we had Durham. It was under sessions. That all of this came to fruition. It was under sessions that all these people, McCabe and all of them, were getting fired and crumbling. And then they all turned on Matt Whitaker. He's, unexperi- he's inexperienced. He needs to go, okay, well, if you're pushing me, maybe it should be Barr. Yep, it should be Barr. And here is where the nefarious game of politics plays. And where it's really hard, even for the president, To determine which gop is really a man of the republic or a woman of the republic. So hard. Because, you know, my senator here, Hoven from North Dakota, plays and talks a good game. But his financials talk another game. See, for me, it's very easy to point out. I know. Whereas I look at Kramer and it's completely different. How do we discern? Do we just follow the money? Because even if they're not compromised per se by money and insurance. They could still flip because they want the money because they want the golden goose because they believe that they should be in that 1% that rules every man, woman, and child. Maybe they'll sacrifice a chicken in the yard for Moloch because you know, they don't believe in a good God, whoever that may be. They believe in things that are evil because that's the only way They can sleep at night. They can only sleep at night with their conscience if evil is good and good is evil. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. This is the last half hour, and what I wanted to kick it off with was some tidbit of information that a lot of people possibly don't know and listening to a couple of remarks that the president made so we can listen to the words behind the words... Uh, it was his, um, little presser after sitting down with the Finnish president for all of you that don't know, Finland is not part of the EU. Finland is not part of the EU, the Finnish right? The Finns are way smarter than the Swedes and the Nords way smarter, still socialists, still kind of commies. Um, but smart. I think that's the Viking in them, right? That's the Viking because a lot of people think the Vikings are from Norway. They're actually from Finland. Let's be honest. Uh, but you know, writing books and stuff, people tell you what history is. They give you the narrative you want, that's the way it always goes. I mean look at Hillary's new book and her complaints. I lost because of Trump. I lost because I peep I think I was too serious. Dude, you don't have a humorous bone in your body. You're disgusting. You smell like sulfur and cabbage basically and rotten eggs is how she smells. And um she wasn't gonna win anyway because her resume precedes her. Um so take a listen to what the president said.
4: <laughs> that's what I like about, that's what I like about him anyway okay thank you all very much well the whistleblower was very inaccurate the whistleblower started this whole thing by writing a report on the conversation i had with the president of ukraine and the conversation was perfect it couldn't have been nicer i saw rick scott i saw many of the senators talking about it many of the congressmen talking about it not a thing wrong unless you heard the adam Schiff version where he made up my conversation he actually made it up it should be criminal it should be treasonous he made it up every word of it made up and read to congress as though i said it and i'll tell you what he should be forced to resign from congress adam schiff he's a lowlife he should be forced to resign he took a perfect conversation, realized he couldn't read it to Congress because it was perfect. It was a very nice conversation. I knew many people were on the phone. Not only were many people on the phone, we had stenographers on the phone taking it down word for word. He took that conversation, which was perfect. He said, I can't read this. So he made up a conversation and he reported it and, and said it to Congress and to the American people. And it was horrible what he said. And that was supposed to be coming from me, but it was all fabricated. He should resign from office in disgrace, and frankly, they should look at him for treason, because he is making up the words of the President of the
0: United States. He's right. Lock him up. And here's another one. You know the Volcker testimony, right? You know that Adam Schiff, I've told you, that. what did the Democrats do? Just like Hitler, they moved the goalpost during the game. He actually said... Listen to this. Earlier today, he said that the meeting that they have where the testimony of Kurt Volker was happening in a skiff that GOP members of the Foreign Affairs Committee will not be allowed to ask questions or have equal representation during this session. Excuse me. Think about that for a second. Excuse me. Now, I just want you to know that I have sources and I have been told that everything Volcker has said is not helping Adam Schiff. They are not happy. They are trying to find something that they can possibly use, um, you know, and the GOP came out with, like, a kind of um, a notion that whatever Volcker said actually undercuts whatever Schiff is trying to do. And the only thing he said was, like, whatever President Trump is saying is dangerous for our elections, dangerous for our security. But his lies are not. And, you know, um, when people are asking Schiff, hey, uh, did you know, um, like, when did you know about this whistleblower thing? And when did you know about the fact that the... GOP is saying that, um, you know, w- when did you know about the whistleblower? He's not answering that question, right? And then uh, all the GOP are like, look, Volker said nothing that can back up whatever Schiff is saying. He's lying. And let me tell you something. It's not the first time he's lied, guys. He's been lying. He's a liar and a leaker. Remember the last time they had closed-door testimony? What was Adam Schiff doing? Taking pee breaks. Leaking. Both physically and <laughs> verbally, and relieving themselves of fluid, supposedly. This is who Schiff is, a liar and a leaker, a guy that knowingly and intentionally spread false information, knowingly and intentionally purported... To quote speech of the President of the United States, is that impersonating the President of the United States? Because when he opened up, he didn't say, this is a parody. He just went into it as if he was reading or quoting the President. I mean, that's a problem. Schiff has been called out for hot boxing Cohen. He has been called out for for his implications in the Kavanaugh again with Dan Jones. Gosh darn it. Those two get together. Now the president said, I don't think there's a whistleblower. I think we were here together talking on how I said, well, they're probably going to find some sacrificial lamb, some clown, some idiot who they can convince to stand in. And he said, well, you know, I kind of heard it once. Yeah. Okay. So let's write this. Did you hear anyone from the White House? Well, I think the cook during a smoke break when I was there by the car, maybe. Okay. So various White House officials. That's how it went. Because that is exactly how fluffed and non-realistic his 6,700-page report on CIA torture was. Period. So this is where we're at. Adam Schiff... Walked right into the trap. Now, Atkinson, what role has he played? What has he done? Well, I don't know. Robert Stork. Let's talk about Robert Stork. Michael Atkinson, Robert Stork. These are conversations we should be having. No one's talking about Robert Stork. Have you heard anything about Robert Stork? You don't hear anything about Robert Stork. The IG of the NSA. We're talking about spying and leaking we're talking about collusion with foreign governments. If anyone has that, who has it? It would be the NSA because they get every cable that uploads. They block everything. Every sound I make, every video or picture they can see with my face playing balloon battles on my phone. They upload it. Even every piece of disposable phone that I use to make calls. They have, if they could find it right in this massive information, see, they have to tag the information trail, right? They'll tag your computer, tag your IP, tag everything going out of there. If they want to see what you're doing and you know, every single reporter out there is tagged. Of course they are. You always have to assume that somebody's watching except if you're a Democrat because you believe you're untouchable and that you're held to a different standard of the law. You know, because this is, let me show you. So we're talking impeachment, right, by them. They're talking, we're going to impeach because they know he's getting reelected. They know it. So they're thinking, we're going to create the narrative. We're going to push the narrative. But here's the thing. Now we have a foreign government, the Canadian Public Broadcast, CBC, putting together little news clips to bordering states, and we're talking Michigan, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, jihadi. I think they're like the fourth jihadi state. Um, talking about the risks of supporting impeachment in a swing state. I want you guys to listen to what the Canadians are doing to help push this uh, information wars. Thanks, Trudeau. I did not make this decision based on politics.
3: On a rainy afternoon in Lansing, Michigan, inside a jam-packed restaurant.
0: The president of the United States um, reached out to a foreign president and asked for dirt on an American, on a political opponent. Just Beyond the- I just wanted to say the woman talking is Alyssa Stokin. She's a Democratic um, uh, yeah, Alyssa candidate. Alyssa Slotkin,
3: rookie Democratic congresswoman, makes her case for impeaching Donald Trump.
0: And I do not do it um, with a light heart. And what I would ask everyone, um, whether you agree
3: or disagree with the decision is that we treat it with the seriousness that it deserves. Hers is a district that was Republican for a generation in a state won by Trump and key to him taking the White House in 2016. Last week, Slotkin co-wrote an essay on why she now supports the impeachment inquiry that helped send Democrats down that path. Today, gauging appetite appetite for a process that could end the Trump presidency, she got thumbs up. It's a tiny sampling of America, but it's clear voters here mean it. I think the wounds are going to be deep. But if nothing else, we should all be able to agree that uh, it's it's time to um, apply the law the, where they law, the law should be applied. And I think that when we come out of this, um, uh, it, it's going to show... Who was on the right side of history still slotkin knows there are all kinds of americans and michigan voters who back trump regardless
0: that can't be the new normal that can't be okay to just get foreigners involved in our elections
3: indeed watching from out on the sidewalk pro-trump voices were adamant
0: we knew who he was when we sent him there he won michigan fair and square this is Trump country here.
3: And as Slotkin left, they underlined in this divided country a fierce battle looms.
0: She just lost her reelection because Adam Schiff is going to be taken uh, to—I was going to say the cross, but Moloch doesn't do crosses. He does children being sacrificed. Right? Isn't that the way it goes? This is what they're doing. You want to talk about meddling? This is meddling. Who is this woman and why is she talking? She thinks that she's going to win this. People are tired of this. I think the left is now tired and they are totally done with it. Leftist voters are like, man, this is a hot mess. Can we stop talking about impeaching him for once and get some stuff done? Pelosi sitting there rambling yesterday like she knew what she was talking about. She was just <laughs> she was just showing off her new plastic surgery. She had no idea what she was talking about. She was just mouthing off. Listen, listen. Now, to the president speaking to reporters right by his chopper, okay? Look what he says, and watch. I'm telling you now. Here's going to be the new narrative. President Trump calls upon China to investigate the Bidens. Again, he's telling them to meddle in our elections. You watch, because he said it.
2: Here in the villages in Ocala, Florida. We have a big crowd. We're going to be talking about health care. We're doing a lot of work on health care. We're very successful at it. And so we're going to be speaking to the great people of Florida, and I think uh, they're very happy with the job we're, we're doing. Yeah. What? What exactly is the accident? Whistleblower's What? What exactly is the accident? Whistleblower's Well, if you look at the whistleblower's complaint, it's totally inaccurate because the conversation that I had was absolutely perfect. And most people that have read it say the same thing. The whistleblower never saw the conversation. He got his information, I guess, second or third hand. He wrote something that was total fiction. And now, when people see that, they're not happy. Well, we're looking at a lot of different things. China's coming in next week. We're going to have a meeting with them. We'll see. But we're doing very well. Some of the uh, the numbers, I think, are being affected by all of the nonsense, all of the politics going on in this country by the Democrats. I call them to the do nothing. They do nothing for this country. They don't care about this country. But uh, the numbers really are looking very good going into the future. So we'll see. I have a lot of options on China. But if they don't do what we want, we have tremendous uh, tremendous power.
0: You know what I don't like, though, that we are giving some leverage to China, and um, I'm going to write about that today. I am. I, I may finish my um, stork piece. I think someone should start talking about it. I just tweeted to the president the minute I saw he tweeted. I was like, fire him, uh, <laughs> and we should all be saying that. Uh, cause nobody's asking. This newly created position by Obama, right after they lost this, the elections, he nominated the clown and President Trump renominated him. And again, uh, I would prefer to appoint an enemy so I can follow back to where the queen sits. To where the queen sits. Well, I would think
2: that, if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Bidens. It's a very simple answer. Uh, they should investigate the Bidens, because how does a company that's newly formed and all these companies, if you look at — and, by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about
0: as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. Okay. So check this out. Let me translate for you. Hey, President Xi, we're supposed to be talking trade and you're supposed to be not messing with my country. Told you this with Huawei, told you this with everything else. And we're supposed to be negotiating on trade because you want to keep your, your country the way it is, which by the way, China is working like a well-oiled machine. Communism does do that. It keeps everything working as a well-oiled machine. That is the intention of communism because he can rule better like that. And you know what? If you're all for institutionalized living, that's what I call it. <clears throat> if you work well under direction, if you work well in being told to do things because that's how you function better, then China's government is perfect for you. I'm not, I'm not knocking it. It's just not for me. Like I'm going to be visiting China, but I'm going there because my little girl wants to learn Chinese, you know. She's gonna to go to a class there, so I'm not gonna leave her on her own in China, <laughs> right? So I'll just hang out and do my radio shows from there. I guess I'd have to probably do it over a VPN, but uh, you know, in the summer when I go, I, I've 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 seen other communist nations. China works really, really well. Communism is great for the government; it's not great for the people. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So it's a it's a it's a model. That you can like or you can't like. Our nation doesn't run by that model. It is a republic. We each have a say. Okay, I want to make that clear. I don't hate China. They're doing their own thing. And people like it. Fair enough. Right, guys? I mean, that's what being inclusive is. uh, Accepting other people for what they like. Period. And it works for them. You know, but communism does give birth to a lot of corruption too. And this is why we see it now, because we kind of have like a demi-fo communism going on here. Uh, and I say it like that is because we didn't know that we were being ruled like that, uh, cause fourth unelected branch. But hear the point with the president saying it, he's kind of saying, yo, uh, President Xi, like, I just want to say, um, You need to do something about this because this means you were meddling on that end, too. And if you don't cut it out, we're going to have more issues. This is what it is. But the mainstream media is going to start saying now he called upon the Chinese to help. So
2: I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens, because nobody has any doubt that they weren't crooked. That was a crooked deal, 100 percent. He had no knowledge of energy, didn't know the first thing about it. All of a sudden, he's getting $50,000 a month, plus a lot of other things. Nobody has any doubt. And they got rid of a prosecutor, who was a very tough prosecutor. They got rid of him. Now they're trying to make it the opposite way, but they got rid. So if I were the president, I would certainly recommend that of Ukraine. I haven't, but it's certainly something we can start thinking about, because I'm sure that President Xi does not like being under that kind of scrutiny, where billions of dollars is taken out of his country by a guy that just got kicked out of the navy. He got kicked out of the Navy. All of a sudden, he's getting billions of dollars. You know what they call that? They call that a payoff. I'll
0: tell you what that is. That's America for sale. Remember how Hillary Clinton would sell America through her Clinton Foundation? This is just another America for sale. America for sale. That is all this is. America for sale. The Ukraine man. Opening a probe just on the heels of the Mueller report was a big deal, right? Uh, the Ukraine themselves opened a probe, listen, in March of 2019, before Biden even put his hat in the race, to in, in, in the probe to see how they were influencing the election to help. Hillary Clinton and I'll tell you how they were hell being Hillary Clinton. So the the thing that people have to see is that when you look at something it could be right at least once a day like a like a broken clock. You have to remember that when a statement is made there's two sides to that statement. The factual side and the side they want you to see. It's kind of like when you take pictures, which is, this is science. You have a good side. There's always one side of your face that shows your true emotion And the other side of the face that always shows niceness, like, you know, take my good side. That's what it means. It resonates the goodness of you no matter what the other side is not the evil side. It is in fact how you feel. So if you are really pissed, I urge you to take a selfie from your left and take a selfie from the right and you'll be able to find which one's your good side. Which interpretation of you is true and which one is the one that you'd like other people to see first? So it was at that point when Mueller fell flat on his face that um, they started the narrative of, you know, fake news was saying that fake, you know, any independent journalist is fake Uh, you know, they were trying to talk of terrorism. They were trying to show that anything of truth that is being told to you, any pointing is all fake. Mueller had nothing, but we got to make something out of nothing because we got to continue. And then here's the thing. The day I'm telling you, the day that Biden announced his run, the day he announced his run. You have to go back to see what happened. That Sunday previous to that, the Ukrainian elections have been completed and the new guy was slotted in, right? That is how, you know, that's how the the cookie crumbled on that end. But it was also Look, on that day... I wanted to play you a quick clip. But I want you guys to know that it was on that day that we learned, the day that he announced, we learned that Obama had reached out to the Ukraine to give the Russia collusion narrative plant, meaning he dug the seed into the Ukraine. So in January of 2016, okay, There were memos of, you know, top prosecutors from, you know, the Ukraine and investigators that met with Barack Hussein Obama's, again, Mark Stahl, Mike, Mark Stahl, anybody? Why is he still in the State Department? Mark Stahl, who wasn't even a Ukraine desk. FBI, State Department, uh, Department of Justice, they all met with Ukraine's top Corruption prosecutors under Luchenko. And remember, Luchenko's not a lawyer. And what they discussed was how they were going to train and coordinate, you know, on corruption. And during those meetings, they talked about two very important investigations. One, that talked about Hunter Biden, and the other one that was talking about a lobbying firm that was closely then linked to President Trump. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. January 2016 when Nellie Orr was in uh, the Ukraine. So they just kept talking. The U.S. officials just kept saying how important it is that the anti-corruption efforts are united. And that was the political officer in the Ukrainian embassy in Washington. That's what he said on the day Joe Biden announced his run. So they, who's they? Barack Hussein Obama impeached 44. I told you it was coming, and it's right here. It goes back to him. We have to remember the facts. We have to remember. And we also have to know, Who is Robert Stork? Why is nobody talking about him after his appointment? How was he so quickly appointed in 2017 under that Senate? Very good questions. That we should definitely answer. On that note, guys, you guys have a fabulous evening. I will see see you here tomorrow, same time, same place. God bless, and thank you for tuning in. Have a great evening. From all of us at Red State.